a swift heist steals $10 million from a Ukraine bank. And attackers increasingly use real IT administrator tools to help evade detection. These stories and more coming up in the ISMG Security Report. Hi, I'm Matthew Schwartz. For many hackers, cybercrime is their business and time is money. Accordingly, they don't waste time on crazy Hollywood-style hacks. Instead, they use the fastest, cheapest, and most effective techniques that will get the job done. Many times, that involves hackers first using malware to gain access to enterprise networks, and then installing bona fide IT administration tools to provide stealthy access to the targeted network for as long as possible. Here's Jeremy Kirk, ISMG's Managing Editor for Security and Technology, with more. Hackers have a way of sneaking into your networks. If your frontline antivirus fails to stop an initial malware attack, hackers often lurk in networks for months. They stay undetected because they immediately begin using network tools and utilities that are often considered benign. Those tools don't trigger alarms from security software since they're often used by administrators to test their own networks. That's exactly what happened to the Democratic National Committee. The DNC revealed in May that two Russian groups have been inside its network, one for more than a year. So how common do companies find these tools on their networks? The security company LightCyber studied 60 organizations that are its customers, looking to see which were compromised and how attackers moved around. David Thompson, Senior Director of Product Management, says most have been compromised by malware, but virtually all of the tools used by the attackers after exploiting an organization were not malware. So clearly they're not using malware, because I, I, I think the, the loop has closed faster than that. So we expected there'd be a lot of non-malware, but we were shocked by the dominance. One idea to close that gap is to quickly spot attackers that at a quick glance may appear legitimate. LightCyber is just one of many security companies that are working on techniques to do this, an area that Analyst Gartner refers to as User and Entity Behavior Analytics, or UEBA. By next year, Gartner predicts at least 20% of the major security vendors that do some form of user monitoring will incorporate advanced analytics and UEBA into their products. So what are the most popular network tools that attackers are using? They include Angry IP Scanner, Ping Info View, Nmap, Ping, Mimikatz, NCrack, Perl, Windows Credential Editor, SmartStiff, and PDF Exploit Generator. The advice for administrators is to keep a close eye on their users. If it appears that a user account for someone in accounting starts using Mimikatz, which can be used to steal passwords, it's a strong sign that something isn't right. I'm Jeremy Kirk with Information Security Media Group. When it comes to industries that should assume they've already been hacked until proven otherwise, banking arguably leads the fold. And lately, that especially seems to be true when it comes to cases of fraud involving the SWIFT Interbank Secure Messaging Network. Last week, reports surfaced that an unnamed bank in Ukraine had lost $10 million after hackers managed to access the bank's systems and send fraudulent SWIFT messages, literally moving money out of the bank's accounts and into their own. As far as bank heists go, the potential for robbers to virtually give themselves millions of dollars has obvious allure. Ukraine's central bank, known as the National Bank of Ukraine, tells me that an unnamed Ukrainian bank had suffered what it called a cyber attack. It's not yet clear when the hack attack took place, but the central bank says it first learned of the attack in April. According to local newspaper The Kiev Post, the attack resulted in the theft of $10 million. After the hack, the National Bank of Ukraine issued a related alert to all of the country's banks, urging them to conduct a thorough security review of all SWIFT-connected systems, as well as to ensure that all antivirus systems were up to date. 
The Ukraine hack follows the attack against Bangladesh Bank in February, in which attackers attempted to steal $1 billion and ultimately moved $81 million. They did so with the help of trojanized PDF readers that they substituted for the bank's typical PDF readers, which allowed the attackers to alter PDF statements generated by Swift software and hide evidence of fraudulent Swift messages. Since then, five other attacks, some successful, have come to light both before and after this Bangladesh Bank incident. That includes the successful theft of $12 million from Ecuador's Banco del Austro in January 2015. Meanwhile, incident response firm FireEye has said that it is investigating eight suspected incidents involving banks in Asia, including the Philippines, as well as in New Zealand, all of which appear to be similar. Ukraine, of course, isn't the only country to issue related warnings. Also in April, following the Bangladesh bank hack, the Bank of England queried all British banks asking how they were responding to the attacks. In the US, meanwhile, multiple legislators have been querying the Federal Reserve, amongst other institutions, to ask how they have been responding and the risks now faced by US banks. By now, however, the takeaway should be clear. All SWIFT-using banks around the world should assume that they're at high risk of being targeted by attackers and respond accordingly. SWIFT, for example, has released a five-point security plan, which urges banks to share information about attacks with each other across borders. It also urges them to actively look for fraud-related patterns and suspicious behavior. And it advises every individual bank to ensure that it has locked down its own IT environment using strong security tools and practices, as well as monitoring. For any banks that have not yet mastered these steps, there's no need to wait for a central bank to issue a related warning, since it's clear that hackers may already be inside any Swift-using bank's network. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. For organizations that want to proactively treat their networks as if they've been hacked or might be about to get hacked, despite the best efforts of the enterprise information security team, help is to hand. It's called Deception Technologies and Strategies. And I'm joined now by ISMG Associate Editor Varun Heron to learn more. Varun, What's up with authorized cybersecurity deception? What you do is you use a honeypot or something that acts as a bait and gets triggered anytime an attacker or somebody gets into your network and tries to sniff around. That's an easy way for you to immediately get visibility of attack activity happening inside your network rather than sift through tons of data which might not have the latest exploit or might not have the zero day you know, registered. So there's long been the concept of the honeypot in enterprise IT, meaning a system designed to attract and potentially trap attackers. How does this differ? This is not just a honeypot. Honeypot is just one of the things you do. So this is an evolution on the honeypot. So you use different kind of strategies, different kind of things to try to set up bait within your network that looks very, very much like the real thing. So it's not something that an attacker would hit and immediately know that this is a fake system. This system is very elaborately set up. If it's a system, for example, or it could be a fake credential. So when the attacker sniffs out that credential and tries to use it, it gets triggered and you're active directly, you know, that a fake credential has been used. So strategies like that planted all over the place that trip when somebody tries to do something they're not supposed to be doing. Is it difficult to procure or roll out these types of technologies? 
Not really. I mean, it rolls out like any other tool or technology you would use in security. In fact, the idea of a honeypot is not something new, but so far it's only been limited to either really high-end enterprises who are very, very serious about finding out what kind of attacker activity is happening on their network or, you know, for academic purposes to research attacker activity. But I think more and more as you talk about intelligence and more and more as you talk about moving away from the whole paradigm of perimeter-driven security to more of an understanding that I've already been hacked, my network is already compromised. Sooner or later, I'm going to get attacked kind of a state of mind. So when you look at that and you know that there is somebody in your network, so what's the best way to find it? Now, the traditional way of doing it would be to depend on tools, to depend on you know log data, to depend on analysis of that sort, to depend on threat intelligence and look for these indicators of compromise. But like you usually hear, which is uh, something of a refrain in the security industry that changes by the day, by the hour, by the second. So very naturally, there might be a lot of zero days or a lot of attack strategies that attackers are using that are current that you might not be aware of. It's elegant because it puts in place not a system of last resort, but definitely a different type of analysis on what's going on in your network. As opposed to having planned for everything, this is covering the things that you hadn't planned for. Right. And I think fundamentally, it's low cost. It's an asymmetric kind of a warfare technique. You don't have to invest too much into it. And the fundamental I find is the defender finally accepting that, look, I cannot have a 100% secure perimeter. People are going to slip through. So attacks are going to happen. I am going to get breached. So starting with that understanding and working outwards, I think that is the uh, big game changer in the way deception technologies can approach security. Varun, thanks very much. Pleasure, Matt. Thank you. Finally, Microsoft has an offer you can't refuse. At least, that's how many critics have viewed the company's tactics when it comes to pushing its Windows 10 operating system. Now, Windows 10 has been well-reviewed and has a number of security upsides over previous versions of Windows. But Microsoft's attempts to get users of older versions of Windows to upgrade have been branded by some critics as being outright deceptive. One upgraded user was Terry Goldstein, who runs a small travel business in California. She reported that her Windows PC had been updated to Windows 10 last year without her authorization. After that, the Seattle Times reports, Goldstein said her PC had slowed to a crawl and would be unusable for days at a time. Now, Microsoft says users can roll back the upgrade to their previous version for 31 days. But the rollback reportedly failed for Goldstein, and she took Microsoft to court, seeking compensation for lost wages and the price of a new computer. Microsoft maintained that it did nothing wrong, but last month it dropped its appeal in Goldstein's case, which means that she'll receive $10,000 in compensation. That's the ISMG Security Report. Our theme is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Matthew Schwartz. Catch you next time. <laughs>